Are you bummed because you already failed at something in 2016? Well, don't be. Failure's not your enemy. The enemy of success is complacency. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, our sponsor today is Harry's. My friends at Harry's Razors, we're telling you how you can get a very, very inexpensive first set. Been getting notes from people. Got a note this morning from Vincent Police that he just ordered his first Harry's set. Congratulations. Hey, stick around. I'll tell you how you can get yours. Well, I mentioned that failure is not the biggest enemy of success. Complacency is. I mean, think about it. If you're complacent, that means you're okay. Nothing's changing and you're going to continue to get the same results that you're already getting. Well, if you're the top of the world, that's fine. But for most of us, we're wanting to get some new results. We're wanting to move to something higher. And a necessary part of that process is failure. So don't be afraid of failure. Recognize it as a necessary component that's probably moving you closer to the success that you deserve. Well, here's our theme for today. You got to pull the trigger. I mean, sometimes you just got to make something happen. And we'll be looking at a whole lot of ways to do that. Here's some questions that we want to answer. Help, I'm losing my passion for what I thought I loved. Now, that's kind of an interesting quandary. You know, sometimes you may be doing something that you really enjoy and golly, you recognize that you're just enjoying it less. Is that a danger sign? Well, I don't think so. I I think it can be an invigorating sign that you're about ready to launch into something else. We'll talk about that. If you're losing your passion. Dan, when should I discuss salary in my job negotiation? How can I find books on grief to resell on my website? Great question. I love things that have to do with books. I can't seem to get myself to take the next big step. And somebody says, Dan, I've had no problems getting interviews for jobs and the interviews seem to go great, but then suddenly everything comes crashing to a halt and I don't get the job. What's up with that? All right, here's our quotation for today. Now this comes from the movie as good as it gets. Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholas. I love this line where Jack says, you make me want to be a better man. I I tell that to Joy and my wife all all the time because we love that movie and I love that line, but I want you to put yourself around people that want you, make you want to be better than you are. When you recognize those kind of people, people who pull you up to your best self, man, what a great privilege to spend time with those kind of people. All right. Success stories. This is kind of interesting. This comes from Dr. David Powers longtime friend and somebody who's been involved in the 48days.net community for a very long time. He says, do you have a daily encouragement message on your phone? He said, I was at Kent Julian's Speak It Forward event last month. He hosted Brian Dixon as a guest speaker. Brian is a pretty awesome guy business-wise, but it's his personal life that I find most inspiring. He played a snippet for us of a personal encouragement message he keeps on his phone. Incidentally, Brian handles all of our 
marketing, all of our web stuff. He's an amazing guy. He's going to be one of our guest speakers at Coaching with Excellence here February 4th and 5th to share what you need to do to get in the game. I mean, he's the one that helps us track who responds to these little lead pages that I give you clicks to, you know, so we know what you're interested in. We can go back and know who, who downloaded my list on Dan's 10 tips for getting your first paid coaching client. As an example, if you just go to 48days.com slash clients, you'll get that list. We know who responded to that a year ago. And know that you're interested in coaching, so we can go right back to you. But Brian, it makes all that happen. Anyway, David Powers says he heard Brian speak, and he Brian shared about having a little personal encouragement message on his phone. I really like the idea, so I had my own made. It's attached below. You're welcome to listen to it, and I'm going to let you listen to that here in just a second. I think it's a great idea that many of you might like to do as well. It took me five minutes to write and $5 for a recording artist to make a clean copy for me on Fiverr. He talks about how he did that. So he came up with what he wanted to say, gave a few ideas to this person, paid him $5. They created a clip that he has on his iPhone, and it's just a daily encouragement clip for him. Now, this is David Powers. I'll let you listen to what he has as his encouragement clip on his phone. David, you are a child of God, redeemed by Christ, and descended from Vikings. You are named after a king and a slayer of giants. God has a glorious calling for your life. You must seek adventure and inspire others to do the same. You must lead your family toward greatness, point them toward God, and protect them from evil. Know that they are depending on you for this. Now, go forth and conquer. How would you like to have a little encouragement clip like that that you could just play on your phone? I think it's a great idea. I didn't know that Brian had done that. I'll have to ask Brian to let me listen to the one he's got. But thanks, David, for passing that along as a tip. Great idea. And, of course, easy to, for anybody to do. Now, this comes from Robert Longley, who has a new volume of poems called Honoring Fallen Heroes, Echoes of War, Volume 2. And Robert says, I write inspirational and motivational poems for people. Having served in the military, I had done more than a few for families of fallen soldiers. Last year, I was asked to do a few for a gathering of families in Colorado for Gold Star Family Weekend, which is the last weekend of September each year. I didn't know how many there were going to be when I offered to do it. Three months and roughly 100 families later, I had enough for a book, which became Echoes of War. I continue to get requests and I'm working on volume two, which I hope to have done by August 2016. If you would like to honor a fallen service member from your family or community, just send me a little bit about them and their date of death. They did not, they don't need to have been killed in action. There's no charge to be included in the book. Feel free to respond here. Or email me privately at Rob at sacred poems.com. Well, that's Rob Longley. He, he recently sent me a poem that he did. He recognized, or he heard me talk about the fact that my word for 2016 is wonder W O N D E R. And he wrote a poem about that. Just a real delightful little poem about that but obviously gifted in doing that. So if you want to honor a fallen service member or somebody who didn't die, but you want to honor them and have them included in Rob's book, just send a note to him at rob at sacredpoems.com. Thanks for doing that, Rob. Well, Liz 
Hobbs McVaker says, she's the one who says, on the fence, pull the trigger. So she says, okay, I did it. I pulled the trigger. I have my conference room booked for my first 48 days to the Work You Love seminar. I added my group and made a simple landing page for people to sign up. My first class is February 1st. Um, I have had a lot of, am I really qualified to do this thoughts, but pressed through anyway, all my friends that I shared with what I'm doing have said, that's so up your alley. So for those of you who are on the fence, pull the trigger. I didn't know how to make a landing page. I didn't know where to book my first class. I just started moving and things started to fall into place. So you can check that out. Go to 48days.net. You can find Liz's discussion there and go right to the page that she created to launch her first 48 days to the work you love seminar. Incidentally, you've heard me talk about, we're looking for 1000 business partners, people who want to facilitate the seminar, make money in doing so bring hope and encouragement to those who need it most. And, and if you're one of those people I just described, go to 48 days.com slash acres. Now, again, that's one of those simple landing pages that Brian Dixon sets up for us. And it walks you right through the process so we can connect you with the resources to get you going and in facilitating the 48 day seminar. Now this comes from Vitalis Asala, uh, who, who says, unbelievable. My first yes speaking engagement, please help me celebrate my first. Yes. I've just received an email with an invitation to speak for a conference coming up in March in New Hampshire. I can't believe this is happening. I had submitted my proposal four months ago and forgot about it. I never spoke at a professional level and this is huge for me. Now, please help me before I reach out to them and to seal the deal. What should I ask price wise? Please help. Thanks. Vitalis. Golly, I'll tell you what, with a name like Vitalis Asala, I mean, that in itself ought to make you uh, pretty appealing as a speaker. Love that. There is a conversation going on in 48days.net about that. He's getting great feedback from Kent, Julian, and others about how to price yourself as a beginning speaker. You need to know with confidence what you're going to charge, how you're going to present that, and uh, be able to hold your head high and go ahead and do it. But thanks for sharing that early win there, Vitalis. There's a blog up by Tom Hendrickson on um, six secrets of high achievers just really well done i mean if you want to get a voice out there i mean a lot of you would love to be writing for major blogs major blog sites or major magazines publications boy there's a system to doing that i mean look at blogs that are well done tom's blog on six secrets of high achievers is one of those he has some of the points are at get adequate sleep set your priorities no he, he quotes uh, warren buffett who said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. You know, as you're coming up the ladder, it may be hard to do that. You have somebody who wants you to coach them and you say yes. And then you realize you shouldn't have done that. You have somebody who wants you to speak. And then you realize that you're going to get a, a nice coffee mug in payment for that. And you have to drive three hours to speak. Well, you probably shouldn't have done that, but uh, yep. Successful people have to recognize when to say no. Bernard Klein, a couple others here in our success category this week. Bernard Klein has written a new book on a hundred simple ways to promote your brand. Now he, I've had a lot of contact with him. I've done interviews with him. He put together, uh, he's got the first 20 of his hundred just listed there, you know, get a memorable, catchy brand name. Um, I'm, I'm doing a presentation where I'm going to be talking about the power of a brand, how to develop a brand. But uh, Bernard talks about that in his book here. Incidentally, you know, I'm going to be talking about 48 days 
I mean, why that has been so powerful for me. I mean, just think about it real quickly, just as an insert here. If you look up career coaches, of which I am one, there's going to be 12 million probably sites that are listed. I'm probably in there somewhere. I have no idea where because there's a whole lot of career coaches. But if you put in 48 days in a Google search, I pretty well own that. That's not through some fancy SEO tactics or paying for advertising. Not at all. It's just because that's a phrase that readily points back to me. It identifies me. I'm the 48 days guy. I'm not just one more career coach. I'm the guy that says you can change your life dramatically in 48 days if you create a plan and act on it. That is the power of a brand. Anyway, Bernard has his new book, Personal Branding Journal, Building Your Brand in Bits and Bits and Bites Daily. You can go to you can check that out in the discussion on 48days.net, or you can just go directly to Amazon and find that book on personal branding journal. Incidentally, one of the things as well that I'm going to talk about in this presentation that I'm going to do at a conference on branding is talk about my son, Kevin. A lot of you recognize my son, Kevin Miller, host the Ziggler podcast. Now that's pretty stinking powerful. Now Zig Ziggler died a couple years ago. The podcast was essentially dormant. Kevin, my son, is friends with Tom Ziegler, Zig's son, who lives in Dallas. And uh, they, through talking about it, decided that Kevin would host the podcast. Well, because the power of the brand, he's skyrocketed right to the top in business podcast. He's right up there with Michael Hyatt, me, his dad, Dave Ramsey, and others, you know, who are right at the top in the business podcast. But it's because of the power of the brand name. So there are really some things that you can do there. Again, check out Bernard's book. Hey, we got a whole lot of things happening there, but I'm going to jump in here and give us a, whoa, yeah, we are the champion. I'll bring that up, not quite so loud, but remind you, if you got a story, if you got a success story, we'd love to hear it. Shoot that to me at askdan at 48days.com so we can include you here in this section we call champions. Love to hear those stories. Got a whole lot of you doing things here at the beginning of the year, a whole lot of you writing books. My gosh, the new books I've got coming into me, I'm having a hard time keeping up with them. I just did an interview with my friend Pat Flynn about his new book, Will It Fly, that I'm going to be sharing in a couple weeks, right before his official launch of that book, Will It Fly. Of course, John Lee Dumas is rocking with his new Freedom Journal. Ken Coleman, who hosts the Entree Leadership Podcast, has a new book out called One Question, which is just phenomenal. I love that. I think I'll, I'm going to have Ken come on and just talk about the power of connecting with influential people. I think that'll really be a, a highlight here. I'll get him to come on and just pick his brain about how to do that. And then Chris Hogan in Dave Ramsey's organization has a new book out, Retire Inspired. I want to get Chris on and just pick his brain about that. But a whole lot of you are doing wonderful things. I congratulate you on doing those here at the beginning of the year, anytime, obviously, but it's, it's great to get those wins under your belt really quickly at the beginning of the year. Joanne, my wife has two books that are already written, manuscripts finished, due to come out this year. I'll be telling you more about that in a couple of months when we get closer to the launch time. When you get a book out and work with a traditional publisher, there's a long lead time. It takes a long time to introduce it to buyers and to bookstores and prepare for a launch. So her primary book, creating a haven of peace, talking about how she's done exactly that in our home all these years. 
but that'll be released in July. We're excited about that and eager to share that book with you as we get closer to the date. Well, let me just remind you again, our sponsor today is harrys.com. Now, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I had I had put out there as a challenge to myself, but I did it in my mastermind that I've got a nagging 10 pounds that I need to get rid of. And I've talked about it for a couple years past in my goals and haven't really done anything. And one of my mastermind members, Aaron Walker says, Hey dude, when are you going to have that done? So I put a date out there, February 2nd. I said, well, I'll have it finished by then. And he says, okay, if you don't, I want a lifetime supply of Harry's razors. So I said, fine, you're on, you're on. So I, I better be, I better be on the gas, which I am. I think I'll be in good shape to accomplish that. But if I don't, I owe Aaron Walker a lifetime supply of Harry's razors. Again, I hear a whole lot from you who are are using that. And, you know, don't go to the drugstore and overpay for what you're doing, what you're doing with the razors. I mean, get something that you're proud of when you hold it in your hand, not some little throwaway doohickey that you pick up and then just toss it in the trash. Get something you can be proud of. I certainly am with my Harry's. I keep sets here in my office on hand to give to people when they visit me. But uh, certainly want you to take advantage of getting out there and getting yours as well. You'll be proud that you've got it. So, you know, usually they don't discount. Harry's doesn't discount because the prices are already really low. But we got a special offer for you guys. Harry's is going to give you $5 off your first order with the promo code 48 days. So don't overpay for a great shave. Start the new year off right. This is a way to look good, feel good, know you are good. Just go to harrys.com right now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Enter the code 48 days at checkout. You're going to get five bucks off a very inexpensive purchase already. So let me know when you get yours and how you're enjoying it. Now, here's a note sent in by John Keith. It's just a, a promo piece that he got, but it's really interesting. It's an example of the kind of thing that we hear about all the time. And people, you know, wonder how to get out of their boring, monotonous routine lives. Golly, this is an, a press release from Porcupine Mountains Artist in Residence Program. The Michigan Department of Natural Resources has announced applications are being accepted for the Porcupine Mountains Artist in Residence Program for the 2016 spring, summer, and fall and 2017 residencies. Now, here's the deal. They, they talk about, you know, brightly colored leaves shown around the rim of the blue color. You've got um, 25 miles of wave washed shores, four inland lakes, entire river systems. This is the largest state park in Michigan. And what they do, the Artist in Residence program offers writers, composers, and all visual and performing artists an opportunity to experience the natural beauty of the park and to express it through their art form. Each year, a number of artists are selected for residencies lasting a minimum of two weeks. Artists will be given the use of a rustic cabin located on the Little Union River and if requested a three-night backcountry permit so you can live in and explore the park's 60,000 acres of natural beauty, ranging from stunning vistas to 90 miles of rugged backcountry trails. During the residency, artists will be asked to share their experiences with visitors through public demonstrations or talks. The artists are required to contribute an art piece representative of their stay. Okay, so there you go. So you can stay in a rustic cabin, experience the beauty of the park, 
and be an artist in residency. Now, a lot of you may think, well, gee, I could never do that. And again, my, my question is, why not? Does it mean that you have to have sold an art piece for $15,000 to qualify? Well, I don't think so. There's nothing about that at all. If you're an artist or writer or some kind of visual performer, golly, they want you to come. I mean, what a cool experience. And I've, I've talked about the fact that my daughter, Ashley, and her family spent the entire month of November in Costa Rica. They just went down there to explore. So they saw volcanoes. They went through the jungle at night. They saw, you know, the stars in ways that they've never experienced before. Talk to people in a culture that they've not experienced before. Now, that wasn't really a big deal. They rented out their house. Their mortgage payment is $1,750. They rented their house out for $2,400. Well, that means they're already ahead. You know, it wasn't an expensive thing. It's not like they're dropping big bucks to do that. They just figured out a creative way to do that. She's getting a lot of questions about that, incidentally, and we'll probably do some of her own blogging about how to do that inexpensively. But look for ways to make your life interesting. That's one of those things about failure that I mentioned at the top of the show. If you're not failing, you're not moving towards success. So try things where you, in fact, may actually fail. That's okay. Not a big deal. Well, let me move on. Steve says, I got your contact information from a friend of mine, Carrie Oberbrunner in Columbus, Ohio. Carrie's the one we did Shawshank, that event last year with Carrie. Carrie's a dear friend, great guy. Anyway, Steve says, I'm retiring from the government after 31 years. I've started a leadership coaching business. Just so happens that I retire 48 days from today. I'm looking for advice on starting this business. I formed the LLC five years ago, but I've only been doing it as a side business while holding the full-time position. I'm looking for some simple checklist items to cover, to follow, to cover the bases, to get my coaching going in the right direction. It's a bit scary with a wife, three kids in college, one in army and two still at home, but I must follow my heart and God's leading even in the unknowns. Can you help guide me in the direction I need to go? Yeah, absolutely. Steve, I already sent you the coaching checklist that we give everybody who comes to coaching with excellence. It's just a checklist. You go right down the list. It walks you right in. And if you go through the checklist, you're going to be making money coaching. So it goes right through the steps that I think are important. And of course, again, everybody who comes to coaching with excellence, the next one is February 4th and 5th. If you want to check that out on our live events, just go to 48 days.com live events. You can check that out. Also, here's another tip for you. You can go to 48days.com slash experience. Now, that's going to take you right to my coaching option. I have a lot of people ask for coaching, so I just framed something recently. It's a one-day experience to come here to the sanctuary, spend the night, Wednesday night here, and then Thursday we work on your business. It's really for people who have businesses and we focus on their business, how to grow it, how to make it just absolutely rock and roll, but go to 48 days.com slash experience. I'd be delighted to hear your input there. And if any of you want to work with me on that kind of a process, certainly I'd be delighted to talk to you about if that in fact is a fit. And it's a way to just check it out. If you're a coach, you can see at least one of my options there to help you maybe frame your own options for coaching. Joshua says, I'm 33 years old. I've been drawing cartoons. Now this is the one where uh, he thinks he's losing his passion. Joshua says, I'm 33 years old. I've been drawing cartoons and comics for as long as I can remember. It just recently became a career after I completed two full-length graphic novels in the past few years. 
My mission statement for my work has always been to tell stories that are as fun to read as they are to make. But it's becoming something dreadful that I don't look forward to anymore. It breaks my heart to feel that way towards something I've done since my childhood, and I can't see how my continuing to create comics and stories is something that brings lasting value to other people's lives. Should I let this chapter of my life close? Or is there something I've missed that will reinvigorate my hope for this to be a fulfilling career? Thanks for your work and your show. Well, Joshua, man, I feel your pain, your existential angst in what you're talking about. I want you to recognize, okay, you're 33 years old. I want you to recognize that we go through seasons of life. And this is especially true for creative people. I mean, just think about the very idea of being creative kind of goes against the thought that you're going to find one thing and do it for 30 years, you know, and get a gold watch and retire. It's not going to happen. I mean, creative people usually are going to go through change every three to five years. I mean, I certainly do. I mean, still, I mean, I've never looked for something that I thought I was going to do for 10 years, let alone 20 or 30. Now, I don't know how long you've been doing this. You say you're 33 and you've been doing it since as long as you can remember. But, you know, just if you know that you're artistic, you know you're creative, then you ought to be able to anticipate change, be open to it, and be looking for new opportunities. So don't beat yourself up. I want you to get excited about the possibilities of change. Now, if the passion is gone, I mean, recognize you're a different person than you were 10 years ago or five years ago, or even one year ago. You really are. You should be, you want to be. So take a fresh look at yourself and then start from there. Now, if that takes you in what seems to be a different direction, I'm sure that it's going to encompass some of the talent and skill that you've developed. It's not like you just leave that behind but you may find a new application. I listened to a podcast this morning from a pastor who never anticipated doing anything other than being a pastor, but he went through some health challenges and realized that he was extremely burned out and that he was forcing himself just to go through the motions of all that was expected of him. And he recognized that he was a candidate. A lot of people were telling him he was a candidate for coaching. Well, he transitioned into being a coach and has really thrived is making over six figures, you know, more than he ever dreamed of making as a pastor and has found that that one, and and it's not like he just left behind everything that he did. I mean, all the things that he learned, his years in seminary, his years of pastoring are all things that he brought forward with him that make him the great coach that he is today. But it took a direction that he wasn't anticipating precipitated by some things that were challenges in his life. And it sounds Joshua like you're there as well. So rather than seeing it, Oh, as being intimidated, frightened by, Oh, this is the end of something. There's nothing beyond that. No, if you're losing your passion, you're having some frustration. Chances are, you know, God's shaking you up and getting ready to open your eyes to something better than you've ever dreamed of. Ben says, now this is about negotiating salary. He says in your book, 48 days, he says, you say, do whatever you can to avoid talking about salary until you get the job offer. Anything prior to that will work against you. I see that on page 184. I understand the concept, but can I really expect a company to offer me the job before they know what they will be paying me? I've read the chapter, show me the money, 
but I'm still not exactly sure when to start discussing specific numbers because, like I said, I don't understand how a company will offer a job without knowing what they'll have to pay me. Well, interesting question, Ben, and and certainly a legitimate question. What you want, though, is you want them to make the first move. You don't want to, in an interview, say, well, you know, you guys are going to have to pay me $75,000 for me to do this. No, that's going to put you in a weak position. So just go through the interview. If, in fact, it is a fit for you. I mean, you don't want to discuss salary until you know that you want the job and they know they want you. Then and only then is it appropriate. Anything prior to that is going to work against you. So. If you know that you do want the job, they make it clear that they want you, let them make the first move. That's not unrealistic at all. So if they say, we'd love for you to start two weeks from Monday, your starting salary is going to be $68,000. At that point, you can say, wow, you know, I loved interviewing with you guys. I'm really excited about the possibilities here. I think this is a great fit. I'm excited about your company and what I could do to be a part of it and contribute and learn from you all. Based on my understanding of the responsibilities, I would see that in the $78,000 range. Is that still within your budget? Now think about what happens at that point. They're not, there is never, ever, is it going to say, well, nope, we can't do that. Sorry. You know, we don't want you anymore. No, they've already invested the time and energy to interview you vet your background, check your references, whatever they've done to make sure that you're the person they want. They aren't just going to jump ship. If you say, no, you know, I think another $10,000 would be in line with the responsibilities of what I'd be fulfilling. Is that still within your budget? I mean, a company would be foolish to offer you right out of the gate, the maximum that they have available. They're trying to get a deal too, certainly. But if you say, Based on what I understand about the responsibilities, I would see that in the $78,000 range rather than 68. You'd be surprised how they can find a little more money in their budget. Happens all the time. That's how you prolong, how you put off the discussing of your salary till it comes up at an appropriate time. Well, hey, let me take a breather here and just remind you, you're listening to Real Life Questions. I love going through these. You know it's a high point of my week. Open the magic mailbox on Wednesday mornings when I have a chance to open that and look at the questions that you've submitted. So keep them coming. You can go to 48days.com, click on Ask Dan, see an opportunity there to submit your question. Of course, you can do an audio question if you want, or you can just send an email to askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for the continuing to um, excite me as I have opportunity to read these questions that I couldn't dream up. Now, Becky says, I've heard you speak about how you buy. Okay. She says, I own the domain borninheaven.com. It'll be a store for condolence gifts related to miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. I know I've heard you speak about how you buy and resell books on your own website. I'd like to do this as well, offering books to address the major questions people have after a miscarriage or stillbirth. I can't find information about how to source these books for a wholesale price. Grieving people have important questions and I want to offer this service to them. 
when I find a book I'd like to sell on my site, how do I find stock? All right, Becky, great question. There are three levels at which you can buy and resell books. Number one is you can be an affiliate for books that are readily available on Amazon. If you go to my reading list at 48days.com, the 40 or so books that I recommend and why, those books are all listed there. I don't stock those books. We don't send those books out. It's a referral link. And when you click on it and purchase the book, Amazon acknowledges that that recommendation came from me and I get a 10% affiliate commission on that. So once a month, they put a nice deposit right directly in my bank account. So that's one level. Now it's only 10%. The next level would be to be a distributor. So Random House or Doubleday or Thomas Nelson or somebody you see has a book on grief that would be fitting. You can ask to be a, a distributor for that. And typically you're going to be able to get 50% off retail price instantly. So you can, and I've done that many, many times over the years. The Go-Giver, when that came out, that was a portfolio book. When that came out, I said, yeah, I want to buy a hundred of those. I want to buy cases of those to give out to people. So I want to buy them at a distributor price. Fine. If it costs 20 bucks, I buy it for 10. The little book, The Strangest Secret, you know, which, which really taps into the the story that had a profound impact on me when I was a little 13 year old farm kid, we buy those books. We buy those from simple truths. They're 1995 retail. We pay $10 a piece for them. And we include them in packages we have here and put them in as bonus books, but we buy them at half price. So that would be the second level. The third level is to make wholesale purchases of books that you want to resell. And this is really what I look at in terms of adding profit to what we're doing. And you can find books go into liquidation really, really quickly. What that means is a publisher will print, you know, 3000 copies of a book. They sell a hundred. They've got 2,500 or they say they've got what 2,900 left. They want to get rid of them. Those things are discounted deeply. I have purchased books like mompreneurs, Great title, great book on how moms can be primary caregivers for their children and still create income in the household. It was a fourteen ninety five book. We bought those, I think, for a dollar and thirty cents a piece, and I bought everything I could get my hands on, hundreds and hundreds of them. You can do the same thing with grief, but just do a quick search for book closeouts, book liquidation. I went to bookoutlet.com. Bookoutlet.com. I put in grief. I got twenty six pages of book titles about books on grief. So here's a book, the truth about grief, the empty chair handling grief on holidays and special occasions, surviving the death of a sibling, a love that heals, letting God's love give you hope in times of grief. And these are books that you can get for, you know, some of them are 50% off, some are 70, some are 90% off. I mean, you can buy books. Here's one that uh, grief encounters uh, it's $11, but you can buy it for $2. The Cure for Grief is an $18.99 book. You can buy it for $4. But again, you, you can find books like that. And that's really what I was doing. You know, we, we sell a lot of books like that where we find books that tie in with the career, finding your passion, doing work that matters kind of theme. And we find books that are out there that did not do well, were not marketed well, even though they're really good books. And I buy them on liquidation. We add them in as bonus items for what we do here at 48 days. Yeah, great question. So you got three levels where you can resell books. You can be an affiliate 
through Amazon or other places. You can be an affiliate for 48 Days Books, and we'll give you a 15% commission on anything that you recommend where people come here as a result of your recommendation. So that's the first level, affiliate, then distributor, and then wholesale purchasing, which is really where you want to go if you want to make that a primary income stream for your grief site. Great question. Robert says, Dan, love what you're doing. Very inspirational. My dilemma is that I can't seem to get myself to take the next big step. I'm 34 years old and I've been a professional landscaper for 20 years and have been renovating houses for around five years. I want to strike it out on my own, but I have this fear of not getting any business and that's holding me back. I currently work in a miserable job. However, it's paying the bills, but I dread driving into the parking lot and his suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Well, Robert, man, I'm not sure what is holding you back. Geez, you said you're, you've been doing professional landscaping for 20 years. You've been renovating houses for five. I mean, what's, what's the obstacle holding you back? I mean, if you, I mean, I don't know if you've been doing that just as an employee, but if you know how to do landscaping, you could go out here and knock on 20 doors this afternoon and have five jobs that are going to book you for the next six months. I mean, there's no downside. There's no risk. You don't, you don't have to hire employees, buy inventory, rent a building, buy equipment. You don't have to do anything. You can first go out and see who would hire you, who would give you jobs. If you do something unique in the landscaping space, if you do stamped concrete sidewalks or you do water features or stacked stone walls or gazebos, I mean, identify something that is unique that you do and just go make up a one page flyer on that and just go out and knock on 20 doors. I mean, with the, Right now, I wish people would knock on my door and tell me things they can do because the things that I want done, it is so difficult to get people who are available. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, I I want new doors, I mean, new windows in the sanctuary. So something that simple. Well, there's a company where I purchased windows a couple years ago for one of our patios and loved the windows. I called the company. I have called them probably 10 times. The salesperson is... Well, he did call back a couple of times when we played phone tag, but I, he's never pursued enough to actually talk to me. These guys are so busy, they aren't even looking for new people. What that means is people like me who need services done love to have somebody who is responsible, who does good work that would show up. Golly, if you have been renovating houses for five years, I know investors who would love to talk to you. Now you're, let's see, you're from, well, you're from Quebec, Canada. So I don't, I'm not, don't have connections in your neck of the woods, but I'm sure there's plenty of them there as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just create a clear plan for what it is that you would want to do. But the cool thing about what it is you want to do, landscaping and renovating houses, it's not like you need 300 customers next month to make that work. You need one or two. That's it. And you're full. You're ready to go. You could, you ought to be able to book yourself for six months of work before you ever give notice where you are now. Man, I get fired up just thinking about the possibilities for you, Robert. I'm sure this is, you know, the obstacle is between your own two ears. It's certainly not in reality. It's not out there in the real world. So just recognize it for what it is, but do something to take action and it'll quench that fear that you're feeling. The old saying is do what you fear and fear disappears. So if you have a little fear about it, get the jobs lined up first. If you know you can deliver and you're home free, ready to go. All right. Steve says, 
from Amarillo, Texas. Help, I'm at the end of my rope. I've had no problems getting interviews for jobs and the interviews seem to go great. I follow all the interview tips. I remember to thank them. I follow up with a thank you card, etc. The interviewer seems to be really excited about me working there, but then suddenly everything comes to a crashing halt and I don't get the job. My last employer was less than honest with me and I have a feeling he may be giving bad reports on me, which he said he wouldn't do. He even said legally, all I could do was say if you would hire me back at a future date or not. And he would say, I was rehirable. I've had numerous interviews that seemed where they seemed excited. And then all of a sudden it flops. All right, Steve, let's, let's kind of frame your question here. For one thing, don't worry about you getting negative interviews. That is a zero part of your challenge. That is not why you're getting job. You're not getting job offers. Trust me. Here's why I'm so confident of that. For one thing, yeah, an employer would have to be nuts to say something bad about you. They don't do that. There's too much opportunity for litigation these days. Yeah. I mean, I've called employers, previous employers right from my office here with people sitting here and asked the hard questions and have never been able to trick somebody into saying something bad about something, even if they were fired for something stupid that they did. Employers just aren't, aren't going to do that. They aren't going to put themselves in jeopardy. It's not worth it to them. So that's not the issue. So the real issue is, yeah, why are people interviewing you where you think it's going well and then you're not getting a job offer? And trust me, in today's workplace, if you've had four or five interviews and have not gotten a solid job offer, something's wrong. You need to have a serious person with that person that shows up in the mirror. Now, if it's not easy for you to identify what's going on, ask people, go back and ask some people who have interviewed if it would just help you. I mean, the, the people are willing to do that and give you honest feedback about why it wasn't they didn't want you on their team. And that's essentially what they're saying. So if they're saying, man, you're a great candidate, gee, you know, I love the fact that you have a PhD in educational technology or whatever it happens to be. And then they say, Bon, yeah, you know, I just, I'm, I'm afraid you're overqualified. Well, that's just a politically correct way to say, nah, we don't want you on our team. So you have to find out the real reason. I mean, stand in front of them. If you're doing a phone interview, stand in front of a mirror while you're doing it. Look at yourself, ask yourself, would I be excited about having this person on my team? I mean, record yourself, but then do mock interviews with other people who know you well. So they can ask you the hard questions and you can really be looking at, you know, why is it that I get in front of somebody? They seem excited, but I'm not getting a job offer. There's some reason where these people are saying, I do not want Steve on our team. He's not fun to be around. He's not honest. He's something is not working. You have to figure out what that is because it's you. It's not the economy. It's not something out there. And you can learn how to do interviews really well to make yourself a top candidate. Go back, I go back to 48 days in that section where I talk about, do they want me? Do I want them? You know, so you can polish your skills on interviewing, learn how to do that really well to get over this hump, this slump that you're in. Alan from uh, Pamplona, Spain says, I'm married to an academic and I'm sure as you know, the job market is for professors is extremely tight. My wife may have an opportunity with a great school in Los Angeles, but I'll be honest and say, I don't really want to live in Los Angeles. Now, since we're moving from abroad and I hear job competition is fierce there, I'm a bit more apprehensive about the lifestyle and being far from our families. On the other hand, if we were to live near family, something we really value, it would be in Oregon. 
and the difficulties that I'm not sure she would find a teaching position there at the university level, at least not for a while. So I feel stuck between these two options and I'm wondering what your wisdom would be. Thanks, Dan. Well, Alan, I, I never recommend somebody move somewhere because of the job. You hear me tell you, I recommend you move where you want to live. Move where it's going to embrace the lifestyle that you want, where you can be near friends that you want or the kind of cultural environment that you want. But move where you want to be and then be confident you can find work opportunities there. Now, if you're basing everything on your wife's ability to get a job as a university professor, yeah, that narrows things down a little bit. But it shouldn't be that, she shouldn't be that narrowly focused on only one opportunity. If she's a candidate for that, there ought to be other things that she's a candidate for as well. Um, but I, I mean, you got to decide first and foremost, yeah, where do you want to live? Have that be the basis for the decision, not just the, are we going to be able to, to find a job there? That's, that's a poor, I, I can't imagine moving somewhere just based on a job. I mean, we moved from Ohio where Joanna and I both went to Ohio State University to Kentucky because I wanted to go to a graduate school in that kind of line latitudinally where we really enjoyed, where it was going to be Kentucky, Virginia, North South Carolina, where it has the seasonal changes, but not real harsh winters. That's why we chose a school there. So I eliminated all the schools, North, South, East, and West that didn't fit that area that we wanted to experiment living in. Well, then I, Ended up going to Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Absolutely loved it. Well, then we went to Anaheim, California, just because we didn't want to grow old, wishing we had lived in California. We loved the experience out there. Then we moved uh, back to Tennessee because we wanted to be in a place where we could um, experience just exactly what I was talking about. The seasonal changes, but nothing real harsh. This is where we wanted to live. Hey, let one more question here, and I'm gonna we're gonna wrap up with this. This comes from Clay, who says I'm requesting permission to utilize your method process of creating a personal mission statement. I'm coaching athletes on how to come up with their personal mission statement. Would like your permission to use your method. I've walked myself through your process and coming up with my own personal mission statement, and I absolutely love it. I believe it'll make a lasting impact on teenage athletes to do the same. Please advise if you would allow this. Of course, I'll give you all the credit when walking them through the process. Absolutely. I'd love it. I'd be honored if you'd use my process for helping other people create their own mission statement. Let me give you a real quick three-part sentence where you, any, anybody who's listening, can identify your personal mission. I help blank. Do know or understand blank so they can blank. You fill in the blanks. I help blank. Do no understand blank. So they can blank. Those that, that will define what your mission statement is. From that, you can then determine what's going to be the application. What is going to be the application for you to have work that's meaningful and purposeful? That's what you're looking for. Well, hey, I hope this has been fun for you. It has been for me as well. Uh, incidentally, and you can go to any of you that want a format for creating your own mission statement, just go to 48days.com slash mission. 
Go right there and you'll see the form will open up and you can write in all your answers to create your own mission statement. It's, it's a more elaborate process than just that three-part sentence, but it'll really help you develop a mission statement so you know what you're all about and you know what you want to accomplish this year and beyond 2016. Hey, it ought to be great. Hey, remember, if you're in doubt, pull the trigger. Don't be afraid of failing. Failing is a positive sign that you're on the right track, moving towards something meaningful. Hang around those people that make you want to be a better person. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community where we are, in fact. Hey, if you want to come to Coaching with Excellence, I'll throw that in real quick. We're just about out of seats on that. We limit that to 48 people. I think we're just about maxed. But, y'all, if you want to figure out how you can coach others and thrive financially in the process, join us. Check out the live events. Come to Coaching with Excellence February 4th and 5th right here at the Sanctuary. Thanks for being part of this community. You know what I'm going to say here, where we, in fact, are finding or creating work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Hey, don't settle for less. It's a new year, new goals, new successes for all of us. Thanks for being on this journey.